everyone. This week in honor of the 4th of July holiday, we're rebroadcasting one of our most patriotic episodes in which we explain why America needs a strong Navy. Next week, we'll be back with an all new episode on the pros and cons of private space exploration. See you soon. From the Heritage Foundation, I'm Michelle Cordero, and this is Heritage Explains. Close your eyes and imagine a map of the world. Now, instead of highlighting countries, illuminate the water. Did you know that international waters actually cover 71% of the Earth's surface? And it's the United States Navy that protects our interests there. Unlike land forces, or even to a large extent air forces, which are tethered to support bases around the world, the Navy can operate freely across the globe and shift its presence to wherever it needs to be without permission from another nation. As a result, naval forces are often the first to respond to a crisis and through their routine forward deployments continue to preserve U.S. security interests long after conflict formally ends. In addition, the Navy also secures sea lanes for the free flow of goods and services, some you may never even have considered but rely on every day. Unfortunately, as Heritage has reported in its Index of U.S. Military Strength, right now our Navy is the smallest it's been since World War I, and its overall readiness the lowest in many years. This week, Augusta and I had the privilege of talking with Admiral John Richardson, our nation's chief of naval operations. Since I'm guessing most of our listeners are civilians like me, if you didn't know, Admiral Richardson is currently the highest-ranking officer on active duty in the Navy. Who else could be better to help explain why it's so important we have a strong Navy? Admiral, thank you so much for joining us. Augusta, it's great to be here. Thanks. Now, to start us off, why does the U.S. need a Navy? That is a great question. It's kind of the fundamental question when you're talking about uh, the Navy. Why do we have? Why do we need one? And uh, you've got to go back. It, we started uh, as a nation, as a maritime nation, you know, at, at our birth, and we remain a maritime nation today. And if you think just about some facts, uh, you know, ninety percent of the world's international trade travels by sea. It's still the best way to, to move things around. And uh, about two-thirds of our prosperity comes to us via the sea. And so if you think about just looking around your office or looking around your living room, you know, two out of three of those things came from sea. But even more important, our economy is a, is a maritime economy. Two-thirds of the jobs and, you know, those sorts of things are all generated by the sea. It's a very busy place. You know, in the last 25 years – Maritime traffic, shipping uh, on the world's oceans has increased by about 400%, which is an amazing statistic, thinking we've been going to sea for tens of thousands of years. And so the uh, technology is giving us access to uh, resources on the bottom of the ocean. The uh, Arctic ice cap is receding, and that's giving us access to trade routes, and shipping lanes, and also continental shelves. So it's a very dynamic part of our economy as well. 
And then, uh, you know, 99% of our internet traffic flows through undersea cables. And so it's a, it's a really important part of uh, how we do business every day. And based on what we see in the news about China's naval aspirations, are we up to speed in comparison to China? We are. We are uh, completely. Uh, but I'll tell you, we've got to continue to focus on this. And so if you're going to take a score right now, you know, we're ahead. But in terms of the momentum of the game, we need to work hard to make sure that we stay superior. And uh, you know, both China and Russia pose challenges in uh, different ways. And, and, and then there's the challenge of keeping those sea lanes open. So going back to your first question, why a Navy? Well, it's to secure America, protect America from attack, and then to protect access to markets and our prosperity. And so, you know, as as other great powers rise, there's going to be this competition for markets, for trade routes, all of those things. We need to make sure that we've got access to all those. Uh, we can do that now, but through uh, efforts to increase the speed and agility of our acquisition process, bring technology to the Navy uh, uh, faster. And then, of course, uh, you know the people are the most important part, getting those skills on board that are going to keep us competitive and keep us ahead in the future. That's where we're focused. And on that note, you've testified before Congress that you're building a bigger, better, and ready fleet. Where do people fall into that? Now, people are absolutely central. And uh, I would say that you know, it's all just a bunch of stuff unless you've got the right people to man those ships and, and be the crews. And so uh, we talk a lot about global competition, you know, great power competition. Some of the most intense competition is the competition for talent. And uh, you know, there's a very small part of the U.S. population that's even you know, able to serve, qualifies to serve. You know, we were just talking about some of the talented people at the Naval Academy before the broadcast. You know, those people are hotly needed by so many in the global economy. They could write their check anywhere in the world. And so it's always remarkable to me to think about the talent in our Navy and all of our services. You know, these folks are as, they're as smart and capable as any Navy we have on record. They could have gone anywhere in the world, and yet they chose, you know, to come and raise their right hand, uh, make an oath to the Constitution, and, uh, you know, a great sacrifice. And so that that demands a lot of respect. And now going back to the ships, how many do we have right now, and how many would you say that we need? Okay, so this is a good question. Right now, the count is at 282 ships in the battle fleet, and we are growing. Uh, so that's important to realize uh, even when I became the CNO uh, just two and a half years ago, we were at 273, and so we've grown uh, nine uh, just over my short tenure, and we're going to continue to grow. We did a bunch of uh, work both inside the Navy and then outside the Navy. A lot of people have converged on, well, what type of Navy does the nation need to meet its responsibilities? All of those studies converged around uh, a Navy of about 350 ships, and so that's our goal. Right now, in fact, it's the law of the land. 355-ship Navy uh, is the goal that we're shooting for. Now, in 2017, there were four major ship collisions. What causes these collisions? Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a complicated convergence of a lot of things, and so we did a number of studies to really dive in and and analyze the so you've got you know, the very proximate 
local cause, which is what happened on board those ships at that time. And you can dig into all of those. And we've put uh, you know, those reports online for, for viewing if if your uh, listeners care to, to look at those. Uh, where I'm more concerned is, you know, what is the uh, what are the systemic elements of that uh, dynamic that we need to go and, and address? And so, we're taking a look at just sort of from the individual and from the ship, and then up to the fleet level. How do we train and certify our forces to go do the jobs that they need to do? And uh, you've got to balance that. You know, we have 282 ships against a nominal 355 ship demand. There will always be more demands than we have supply. And so how do we meter that so that we don't go off and do things for which we're not trained and certified? That's the corrective uh, program we have in place right now. Now, to wrap us up here, we mentioned that our naval forces are often the first to respond to a crisis. Are we ready in the event of a crisis? And what are we doing to specifically counter emerging threats? No, we're totally ready, right? So we have about 100 ships forward deployed on station about 65,000 sailors deployed forward, ready to respond to those types of contingencies or crises. Those, those forces train to a very high level of readiness, uh, and the real world gives them enough uh, uh, opportunity to stay you know, very skilled, very ready to respond to these types of contingencies. And so whether this is a man-made crisis, a humanitarian event, or some kind of a a crisis that requires us to respond and and settle a situation down, you know, your Navy and Marine Corps team are going to be there first, and we're going to be effective in mitigating any type of uh, escalation. Well, thank you, sir. All right. Thanks a lot, Augusta. And that's it for this episode of Heritage Explains. If you're interested in more about where our Navy ranks in our Index of Military Strength, we'll post a link in our show notes on heritage.org. Also, if you like today's podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and share us with your friends. Heritage Explains is produced by Michelle Cordero with editing by Thalia Rampersad.